0: radio podcast. I am Jen, GR mom, joined as always by GR dad. Oh, hello. And we have Vink in the background vigorously drinking some water. Good job, Vink. We're recording on Vink's birthday, so happy birthday, Vink. Drink of the week. We're drinking French 75s, a very classic cocktail based out of New Orleans. There's actually a bar there called the French 75. A French 75 is two ounces of gin. We use Hendrix gin, which is good and way better than like london dry gin i think one ounce of lemon juice half an ounce of simple syrup shake that up in a shaker pour it into a champagne glass no ice top it with champagne we buy little four ounce bottles of champagne so they're real easy to use for cocktails and it doesn't go flat Um, buy the best four ounce bottles of champagne that you can because they're not very expensive and if you get the cheap ones they taste terrible and yeasty so i think we use moe Um, of Moe and Shendon and it's like 5 bucks for a 4 pack, it's like not expensive but it's way better than getting the cheap stuff so uh, yeah it's a delicious, refreshing citrusy cocktail
1: very summery, but then I think of every drink with gin in it as summery
0: Uh, gin's pretty summery
1: it's important to get good gin, you may have to try a few brands that are either just don't taste good or don't taste good in a mix
0: yeah, we basically use Hendrix and Plymouth. So Plymouth is more of a kind of traditional gin uh, but it doesn't have I don't know like I'm not a big like beefeater gin I really don't like like the kind of london gins I'm not a fan of but it but.
1: mixes well. Beefeater. I wouldn't drink it just regular but
0: Oh, I don't I don't even like it mixed. The Seagram's gin is a good mixer and I think that's okay. But Plymouth is kind of our go-to and uh, and Hendrix is really good, like in a gin and tonic or in a cocktail like this. It's a little sweeter and more floral, and it doesn't have a real kind of herbal, juniper-y taste like a lot of gins do. So both of those are good to have in your liquor cabinet. So there you go. That's Cocktails of the Week. We have a sponsor Whoa. for the podcast. We This is big, exciting news. I checked today, and we have officially had enough people sign up through our link for Audible that we have paid for the fees for the podcast for the year
1: yay Yay! so
0: thank you to everybody who has signed up through our link for the podcast Um, if you want to sign up for Audible to get audiobooks you can use our link audibletrial.com slash the golden ratio and if you sign up through that you get a free audiobook to start and it helps tremendously to support the podcast if you want a running book uh, one that I would recommend is called Finding Gobi which is about this guy who runs these multi-stage ultra marathons. Uh, so you kind of run a full marathon a day for five days, the last day run 50 miles and he was running one in China in the Gobi desert. And this little dog came up to him on the second day and ran the whole stage with him, the whole 26 miles. And, uh, and the dog followed him around for the whole race. And he was going to bring the dog home with him to Scotland. And had to arrange, you know, all the logistics of that. And then the dog got stolen. He ended up moving to China for six months to like find the dog out on the street. Uh, Spoiler alert: He found the dog, uh, (laughs) which is not all that much of a spoiler because the dog's on the cover of the book, like with the dude hugging him. And so yeah, it's this guy's whole process of like meeting the dog, whose name is Gobi after the desert. And him running and his adventures like in China trying to get this dog brought back to Scotland. And uh, it's a really entertaining book. Gobi just turned four years old, I think, like just a couple days ago. So he's almost... I guess the, his birthday is an estimate, uh, but basically the same age as Vink. And he's a weird-looking little mongrel dog, but a very good <laughs> runner. And it's a charming book. And I actually listen to the audiobook of it while I was training for my ultra marathon. so if you want to combine supporting the waffle fund to slash the podcast and getting an audiobook uh finding Gobi is a good one to start with this week we're going to talk about running a bunch of you have asked us to talk about running which is like not as much about the dogs so we will talk about running with dogs but just kind of about running in general so uh why don't we start with how did you get started running do you have a good story how'd you start running
1: i don't have a good story i think i my dad ran and he would take me along with runs sometimes of course my dad would always run way too fast so my early memories of running with my dad are kind of painful and it was not fun
0: is this like a toxic masculinity like we need to go as fast as possible thing
1: Yeah, something like that. (laughs) And no one
0: could be like, please slow down, this is painful.
1: He would brag about how, you know, when I'd have a friend over from college or something, how he could outrun the guy. (gasps) And Yeah, 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 there's that. Oh, I didn't know that. He doesn't slow down for people really well. (laughs) So we'd go running sometimes in the woods in Germany, and then uh, he'd kind of lose me. (laughs) I'd have to figure out where he was. It was fine. I never really got lost.
0: Sometimes people are okay to lose. On runs, (laughs) Like, you're just better off losing them. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I started running, so I ran cross-country in, like, middle school, my first year of high school, Uh, but I'm a not-very-fast runner, and high school cross-country kind of killed my love for running because, you know, it's a competitive team, and so they want everyone to run fast, and they would have us do these drills where it would be, the one that I've told our dad about, is that we'd run in a square. And I don't know, it was maybe 50 yards on a side for the square. So they'd blow the whistle and you'd start. And you'd have to get to the next corner where there's like a cone by the time they blew the whistle. And then you'd run like easy to the next corner by the time they run the whistle, hard to the next corner. So you'd run around in the square. And they expected everybody to keep up, like all the boys' team, all the girls' team. And I was nowhere near that fast. I could run in high school about an eight-minute mile if I tried hard. And I don't run that fast now. And I could never, I would never even get close to keeping up with the whistle. And it just made me feel worthless and like there was no reason to try. Like, I loved running cross-country. And I I ran track all three of those years, Middle, I guess, actually four years. Sixth, seventh, eighth grade, freshman year of high school. and then yeah it just like it killed my love of running and so i didn't run very much you know i'd occasionally go by myself but not very much um until 2000 i guess um 1999 i watched i was living in chicago and i watched the chicago marathon because uh, it ran right right in front of my apartment building and I was just like completely awestruck by it. And I kind of decided on the spot, as I want to do, I'm totally going to run that race next year. And I had not run a step for, you know, seven years, basically. And uh, so, yeah, I said, all right, I'm going to run the Chicago Marathon next year. I figured out when it was. And I just started, I would like walk from my apartment down to the lake in Chicago, which was just a couple blocks. And I would run a mile one way and turn around and run a mile back and walk to my house. And uh, sometimes I'd have to walk in the middle or I'd have to take a long break. But I once I could do two miles, then I started increasing it. And uh, yeah, that kind of got me back into running. My 1st That was my first marathon. And we'll talk about marathons in a bit. Uh, but I kind of jumped right in. I did a bunch of you know 5Ks and 10Ks and a couple half marathons on the way, but it was all run that marathon for me. And uh, I didn't train properly, and I basically had to walk the whole second half, and it hurt really bad. But I did finish it, but it's not the best way to do it. Uh, but anyway, that was it. And that's, that's kind of typical of like me and my life in general, is that like, I see a kind of epic thing, and I go, I'm going to do that epic thing. And people go, you can't do that epic thing. And I go, like, I'm 100% going to do the epic thing.
1: And then you can work backwards from when the epic thing is. And you do everything you have to do to get to that epic thing. It's very plany.
0: Yeah, and I love those kinds of logistics. If you're not afraid of working hard, you can do all kinds of epic shit.
1: And, well, hard and long, right? You have to do it for usually a duration. That's I can true. work hard for a day, and then I lose interest.
0: I'm kind of like that with dieting. Like, if I'm like, uh, oh, this race would be much easier if I were five pounds later. Like, that'll totally work for a day. And then day two, I'm like, I need cookies so bad.
1: I'd like to lose the five pounds in one day or else yeah, i lose interest. Yeah, <laughs> like just
0: work really hard on one day and be five pounds lighter. Yeah. That would be great. No, just double up. Okay, so for we're going to talk about all kinds of different running things. For the people who aren't runners right now and say running hurts and it sucks and I hate it, but I kind of wish I didn't hate it. Advice for not hating it.
1: Find a good place to run.
0: That's good.
1: That, like... You'd want to. We we when I was sort of in my running with my dad phase, we, we lived right by the woods in Germany. So you could run for hours in these interesting paths and up and down hills, and it, you'd feel like I, you know, you'd feel like you'd be covering ground or exploring the woods. So was that it in Bad Dorkheim? Was, yeah, it was nice. So that that was an incentive, or run where you have a destination. Go to run to Baskin Robbins. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> something where you kind of want to run to get some places fun yeah.
0: yeah that's actually really good advice and i'm lucky now that we live less than a mile from rock creek park which has great running trails here in dc but like everywhere i've lived i've found a place that i like to run whether it's like closed off roads or weird little trails that always helps um and i used to do they've not they have since closed off this trail because they're doing Like train construction, but I used to run this eight-mile route, four miles from my house and four miles back. And at the turnaround point was a Uh Haagen-Dazs, and so I would get ice cream because I'm like, I'm running eight miles. I can 100% eat some ice cream if I feel like it. Why not? That's right. I'm burning those calories. That's good advice. Uh, My advice is also like run slower. I think a really important thing is to like check your ego when you're running because you kind of, I think a lot of people get in their head like, oh, running means I have to run a so many minute mile. It could be a nine minute mile, a seven minute mile. And like, if I'm not going that fast, then it doesn't count. And like, that's a bunch of BS, right? As long as like you run, you're running. And so I think a lot of people feel like they have to maintain a certain pace. And if they fall below that, you know, if they run an 11 or a 12 minute mile, then it doesn't count. And look, if it hurts, like, slow down. <laughs> like, run an 11- or 12-minute mile. It's fine. I mean, for my races, so when I run a marathon, I average about an 11 and a half minute mile. When I run, <laughs> sometimes when I run normally, I run an 11 and a half minute mile. It's, sometimes I run a 13-minute mile. Yeah. We but, were in Las Vegas last week, and, uh, and I had been thinking about, uh, not thinking about, it. I had signed up for and bought plane tickets to run an ultra-marathon out there, uh this weekend and the forecast is that it's going to be 103 degrees with six percent humidity and the dryness really kills me and i was like well since i'm in vegas anyway for work let me do some test runs it's like 95 degrees so a lot cooler than it was going to be over the weekend and oh my god like i thought i was going to throw up on some of those runs and i don't think i mean i may have been slower than a 13 minute mile i ran as slow as possible Um, But just slow down. There's no shame in running slow if it makes you enjoy it. Yeah, and figure out,
1: this is a little unrelated, if you're a social runner or if you like to run by yourself. Yeah. Because I I like to run by myself, mostly. I don't don't think I'd do too well in a running group because it would be, for me, a little bit distracting. I kind of like to be my own head when I run and not have to worry about social interaction. And that probably says more about me than about running. But... Um, So figure that out because you may work really well with a running buddy and you can motivate each other and then you can also set your pace so you can still talk. There seem to be so many happy runners who are talking to each other while they're running and when Jen and I run, we talk to each other and that's great and that's a a great experience. But sometimes I like to go sort of as fast as I can a little bit. or try a new route or something so i run well by myself too so but figure that out don't force yourself to do something where you're where the circ sur- the surroundings don't make it easier i guess
0: when gr dad runs as fast as he can then he calls me after his run and he's like that was a mistake like i really shouldn't <laughs> I have." i still it. battle my demons I, <laughs> I
1: don't think it's terribly good for me or makes me a better human being
0: no but this is a great point like group or solo is actually like Point number three on my list. Uh, Some people love running in running groups and they like meet up. And there's, if you are like this, if you're like an extrovert and a social person and want to hang out, uh, if you live in a city, there are tons of opportunities to do this. So there's uh, there's lots of just straight up running groups. Uh, If you have a Nike town, like a Nike store, they have running groups that go out a couple times a week. Whatever your local running store is probably has a couple times a week, a group that like meets at the store and goes out. And that doesn't
1: even include the, what, the drinking clubs that run or whatever it the is. The Hash House far.
0: Harriers were not on my list, uh, but we should talk about them. Have you gone out with the Hash House Harriers Me? No, before?
1: no, no. I've just seen the flower patches.
0: So I have run with the Hash House Harriers. So uh, the Hash House Harriers tagline is the drinking group with a running problem. It's a kind of raunchy. You should be single if you go to this, because there's there's some sexual stuff. Um, Running group, and they kind of mark out these paths through the city. They mark them with flowers. There's like you have to kind of find the route. Not
1: tulip flower, like baking flour. Yep, yep,
0: baking flour. Uh, And they kind of put marks on the road, and some of them are designed to make you go the wrong way. And when you finish. So I don't know if I've told you this story. So I was an intern in DC, a summer intern, when I was an undergrad, I think in nineteen ninety seven. And uh I was running pretty regularly that summer and I remember going out for a run, like, after work, and there were a whole bunch of people like running in a group and I was like, What are you all running for? And they're like you should come with us. Was it's like like, a cult. It's no. a cult. I was like, okay. So I follow them, and we end up in this alley, and there's like 50 people in this back alley in D.C., kind of in this sort of what was then a sketchy Do they part. carry
1: alcohol? Are you drinking while you're running?
0: Uh, we didn't drink while we ran, but there was a lot of alcohol waiting. Okay. Anybody who had on a new pair of shoes had to pour a beer into the shoe and drink the beer out of the shoe. It sounds
1: like a frat.
0: And I didn't... I didn't drink. I didn't start drinking until almost I was 30. I didn't drink at all in college. And so it made for some slight awkwardness for me. But anybody new, like me, who kind of showed up attached onto the group, had to do shots or drink beers or something. Nice. Um, it, it's crazy. But if you like, you know, edgier social things, uh, the Hash House Harriers, they're really easy to pick up with. Just Google them and you'll find one in your local neighborhood. Um, if that's like a little too much for you, like I said, those uh, any running stores probably have groups that'll go out. Um, the Front Runners are a kind of LGBT running group that most big cities have. So if you're looking to kind of socialize and also run, um, I ran with them in Chicago and that was great because um, I lived in kind of Boys Town Chicago. So it was LGBT headquarters. It was a super fun place to live and uh yeah so there's tons of running groups that you can go with but yeah so i've done you know a couple hash house harrier runs and i would occasionally go with the front runners but uh i also am a solo runner pretty much because i really like to control my pace and uh we run really well as a pair together i think but yeah it's nice other than that i like to be by myself so that's a good thing to figure out if you're motivated by uh, social interactions with people if you're an extrovert try to find a running group if you're not it's totally cool to run by yourself
1: I had a, I had another thought about starting running if you want to don't, don't be self-conscious I know this sounds really easy to say but nobody's actually looking at you so don't worry about running your pace and wearing what you want to wear and whatever's comfortable and running in public or running in a gym it's nobody is actually cares That's just do it just do it I'm a sweaty mess when I run. I look, I look near death half the time, and, you know, it's just fine. It's just fine. It's fine. It's just an athletic activity. It is what it is.
0: Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody cares what you look like. Nobody cares how fast you go. So my story for this that I tell all the time is that, uh, so my mom and my brother are both marathon runners, and uh, my brother was running his first marathon, and I was not running that one. And so I went out to cheer for him with my mom and his wife, my sister-in-law. And we were kind of standing at an overpass waiting for him to come. And in marathon, they have pace groups. So if you want to run a four-hour marathon, you run with a group and they have a designated pacer. And they carry a little sign like on a skinny little pole that says four hours. And you run with them. And so they'll help make sure you stay on pace. And so there's pace groups for everything from probably like two and a half hours down to six hours, uh, like every 15-minute increment pretty much. Uh, Jasmine, you okay down there? Mm. And so we were standing on this overpass waiting for my brother, and the 345 group goes past. So they want to run a three-hour and 45-minute marathon. And my sister-in-law, uh, who at the time was not a runner, turned to me and said, is that – the finish time or the pace per mile? Like, are they going to finish in three hours and 40 minutes or are they running a three minute and 45 second mile? Uh, which no one has run a three ever. minute and 45 second mile ever, let alone for a whole marathon. And that's, that's not to criticize her. That's just to say if you're not a runner, you don't even know what the times mean. You don't know if that's good or bad. And I think that's true for every sport. Like, I'm very athletic. I've rowed sometimes. GR Dad is a big rower. And he'll tell me his time for something, and I go, cool, like, what's a good time for that? Yeah. Even though I've done it. Like, I know how long it takes me, but I don't know what a good time is. So nobody cares.
1: Yeah, and it, it, it sort of ties in with the ego thing, but it, for me it does. But, uh, you know, I just, just don't don't be afraid of running because you worry people will look at you or judge or something. It just doesn't. Nobody does.
0: And i got to say, like... You are definitely a sweater, Oh. and this is not a male female thing. There's a lot of women who are big sweaters too. Um, I have been gifted in that <laughs> department. I just glisten slightly at the end of a hard run. Absolutely true. Uh, I feel really blessed <laughs> that that I have this. I I really don't sweat. I'll get slightly damp, and literally will glisten and, and that's I it.
1: literally can wring out my shirt and water will drip out of it yeah
0: it's crazy uh, so as a person who does not sweat I do not think of myself as superior for this like I do not judge when I see people sweating
1: I think you're superior
0: <laughs> well my superiority is not just because of my glistening <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you with all that said if you're like it still hurts me to run uh, my advice would be to try the Couch to 5K training pro- program, which is a great way to start running. There are tons of them online. Some of them have like paid stuff, but you don't need to do that. Like the UK NHS, the National Health Service, I know they have a free website for the Couch to 5K. Um, I'll put a couple links in the description of the podcast. But it's a, a training program to get you, over the course of a few weeks, I mean eight or ten weeks, I think, from zero running to being able to run the whole way on a 5K, 3.1 miles. And it starts basically where you go and you run like 15 seconds and then you walk for a minute and then you run 15 seconds and walk. So it kind of alternates walking and running. And over the course of that time, it increases how much you're running versus how much you're walking. And so it's basically like get out there and walk and add in a little running.
1: Yeah, and I I guess we're a little bit, we're coming at this because we're both runners and we've both have done this for a long time, but I mean, it does hurt at first when you run. So it, it's yeah. not completely like sitting on your couch, right? I mean, you are pushing yourself and it is going to be unpleasant, right? And you'll be sweating and you'll be out of breath, but it totally gets better. And it's not supposed to be like terrible, life-threatening feeling. right? So, so the, the caveat here is, you know, Go for a run and feel like you're doing some running, but don't overdo it to the point where your lungs are burning and you taste blood and and yeah. you pass out. Um, but it will get more pleasant, too, as you get conditioning, right? I mean, if you do this couch to 5K, you do the 5K, and then, and then you can run the three miles without too much unpleasantness, and then maybe you're sort of on the plateau where you can enjoy it a little bit more for other reasons, too. Yeah,
0: I think that's important because I remember having that lungs burning and tasting blood feeling from running short distances. And so, like, go slow if you're starting off. Run a 13-minute mile. Like, there's no shame in that. I run a lot of 13-minute miles. And uh, walk when you have to and kind of work on building it up so it's not painful. And then, yeah, I mean, you can get yourself to whatever distance you want. You know, assuming you don't have any injuries or other kind of disabilities or problems. I mean, I'm not a naturally athletic person, but we ran the San Diego Marathon in uh, the beginning of June, and GR Dad finished before me because he's faster runner than me. And uh, I finished and I was going back to the hotel, which was like a mile and a half from the finish line. And I was like, you know, I walk walking a couple blocks, and I'm like, gosh, this is gonna take forever. And then I was like, oh, I actually am perfectly capable of continuing to run. And so I just ran the rest of the way. And I ran past some guy who had finished the full marathon, and he was like leaning on a light pole. And he kind of looked at me and he's like, oh. Well, good for you. And I was like, "Look, man, I'm training for ultras. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I ran like 27 and a half miles." Is that tra- where you had your you had your uh, camelback on too? I did. Yeah. With no bladder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The camelback is great, actually. So this this is actually a really good point that I had not put on the list. Um, so we are extremely fortunate to live in a place that provides water on our running trails. Actually, I. <laughs> So I, if you follow the uh, the Twitter account, you know that I travel a ton for work. I give a lot of speeches, and I was giving one speech like a year ago. It was before the election, and this guy was like, "Oh, you teach at the University of Maryland. I hope you don't live in Montgomery County." And I was like, "I do live in Montgomery County. Like, like it's super weird that someone would know that. That you know, if, if you don't live in Maryland, that you know what the counties are." And I was like, "Why do you say that?" And he's like, "Well, it's the most liberal county in the country." and then he started talking about Benghazi and he was a really crazy dude so I kind of ran away from him but a benefit to living in Montgomery County which has I don't know, county taxes they're not very high, I pay a couple hundred bucks a year in county taxes uh, Montgomery County is an amazing place to live and we have wonderful services here including year round drinking fountains like freeze proof drinking fountains on all the running trails in the county
1: Porta potties
0: Porta potties like every two to three miles. It's really nice. Uh and when I lived in Chicago, I lived on the lakefront, which also has water fountains every couple miles. Yeah,
1: and a lot of big cities will have that where, where the trails will have water and and public bathrooms.
0: Yeah. So it's great if you have that. But if you don't, it's absolutely worth looking into getting yourself a little hydration pack. So I have three. Um, I have a Camelback, which is, like, it has, like, one liter. It's really lightweight. And then I have a couple Nathan uh, packs, which are more for the ultramarathons. They hold a whole bunch of stuff. But uh, I put off getting one of those for such a long time because I was like, oh, it's going to bounce around, it's going to be sloshy, and it's totally not. Like, they're really well-engineered. They were designed for the military in the first place. Um, so they're very well-engineered Well, you fill them up and seal them, and then as you drink, it kind of sucks the bladder down and so there's no air in there so it doesn't slosh it stays really well put on your back and so that lets you go for miles and miles even in really hot weather and have water to drink and not have to worry about it
1: yeah and we're not actually big gear people generally but from from what i see in the marathons i mean some people have belts with little Mm -hmm. bottles tiny bottles big bottles i used to have a just a, a one liter bottle that I had a pocket sort of behind my, like small of my back, which wasn't ideal at all. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's worth investing in, in something where you can carry water because if you run for an hour or so, you really, you'll do a lot better with water than without. It might actually be dangerous not to have water.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I like the, the kind of backpack style stuff, but if you go to your local running store or to REI, um, you can try stuff on. reI has kind of all this stuff and try it on and play around and see what works best for you. Um, but yeah, that's a great idea is a thing to have.
1: Yep. Plus it's fun to have gear.
0: It is fun to have gear. I've I mean since I've started doing the ultra marathons like I've I've acquired a lot more gear, headlights for my shoes and <laughs> all, oh, yeah. all kinds lighting, of crazy yeah. stuff. Uh, we'll talk more about that going forward. Uh, so, Let's talk about running with dogs. Uh, I run with hops pretty much every time I run, except for the really long ones on the weekend. I go with hops.
1: Yeah, I think the key is to know your dog and don't push it. I think dogs are pretty good. If they get tired, they'll lie down. I mean, they're not going to... I, well, I don't know. Some dogs might, but the dogs I've experienced won't push themselves too hard and will, will show when they're exhausted. But Hopper then,
0: did that at the 5K. Yeah. So we had the Vink 5K a couple weeks ago, and Vink didn't run it, but Hops did. And so there were probably 15 or 20 of us that set out, and we got to mile two, and Hops was like, screw this. I'm done. Like, she walked onto the grass and laid down. She was like, I am done. And so we all had to walk with her for like half a mile. Yeah. And then we kind of finished, uh, which is weird. It was, a I guess, a hot and humid day for her. But uh, yeah, this is a good point.
1: Yeah. But when I had, uh, when Buttercup was younger, five or six years ago, I used to take her running. And she was great off leash. So we'd go into some woods, and I'd let her off, and she'd sprint around and sniff and catch up with me later. So, so that's fun. But she was also very good on the leash. She doesn't get tangled. She'd. Follow along, so you gotta get you know you gotta figure out if the dog's a good walker to begin with before you can run with them.
0: Yeah, this is important. Uh, Hopper and actually, Vinkman is Vinkman is like the world's worst walker. I talk about wanting to give her away when we go for a walk; she pulls <laughs> so hard. Uh, but when I'm running, she can't pull because I think it's kind of pushing the limits of the, her speediness. Uh, I mean, I don't run faster than her. She's still kind of pulling, but not very much. Uh, they're both really good to run with. Vin can't go very far. Um, Hops I, is who I usually run with, and we usually go three or four miles together. But my previous dogs, Pi and Kay, oh, my God. I sprained my ankle, like, twice trying to go with them because they would, like, see a person or something and kind of yank me off to the side and pull me off the sidewalk, and I would twist my ankle. So you can... Totally train your dogs to run with you, but you want them to kind of be consistent. Like Jasmine would is a bad runner. I've run like little half mile stretches with her. She always likes to stop and sniff stuff, and so like we'll be going, going, and then she'll just straight up stop because there's like some interesting smell.
1: And I think a lot of dogs are different. Some dogs like to trot, like lope along. Uh, I know Buttercup used to like to sprint, and (laughs) then I'd kind of sprint with her, and then she'd slow back down. And I mean, so you. You can figure figure it out with the dog, but I, again, I would say don't push it. We, Jen and I, wrote, ran in a six oh. mile race last year, and someone had a dog, and it was about four miles in, and the dog was clearly in distress, right? And he was just kind yeah. of more or less dragging the dog through the race, and it just it was terrible. Yeah, the it,
0: dog laid down in the middle of the street at some point, and he was like yelling at the dog to
1: don't push move the dog again. because no. that's they don't sweat and they and they're you know they're not really designed for for running
0: yeah and we talked about this a little i think on an earlier podcast like not to run with like if your dog has a smooshy face
1: yeah like
0: bulldogs and pugs like they're not very good to run with uh but also the dogs need to train just like people so if you've never run and someone made you go run three miles you'd feel really bad and the same is true for your dogs so if you uh if you want to bring your dog running and you haven't like start by doing like an easy mile with them and, and I mean, I do this a lot even for longer runs where I'll run a certain amount with the dogs, and then I'll bring the dogs home and drop them off, go to the bathroom, get a drink, and then go out and run more miles by myself. So run a mile with your dog and kind of slowly work them up to being able to run, you know, whatever the normal three-mile loop is that you do or whatever. That, whatever that reminds me
1: of another tip. Hmm. You can stop when you run. Stop and have a drink. Stop and rest if you get to the street. Stop and rest if you... I mean, this is something my dad did not teach me. Yeah. You had to keep running at all times. <laughs> so now I realize, oh, you can just stop and have a drink and go to the bathroom. It's fine. doesn't destroy the effect of the exercise or whatever.
0: This, I think, was like a little clash of cultures between the two of us, like when we started doing marathon training yeah. runs together. Because I'm all about the break. And so, like, every time we'd pass a water fountain, He'd be like, are you going to stop? I'm like, heck yes, I'm going to stop. Like, this is what water fountains are for. It's time to stop.
1: And I'd be trying to figure out how to keep running while at the water fountain. I mean, it was just, it was goofy.
0: Yeah, it's way better to just take a break yeah. and stop. Um,
1: but it's like the people who jog in place at traffic lights, right? I'm That would have been me, I guess. But <laughs> why?
0: Yeah, it's okay to stop. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And And actually, the farther you run... The more often you stop. So the next thing on my list is what's it like to run a marathon, and I and in that we should probably loop in like what the training is sure. for a marathon. So the training for a marathon is usually about four months, and before you go into that, the general advice is that you should have been running for about a year, um, and that's you know I don't think that's necessary. But it's that they want you to have a kind of base level of fitness. So when they say go out and run seven miles, um, like that may be a bit of a challenge. But it's not like, oh crap, I have no idea if I'm capable of running seven miles. Like Even if you haven't run that far before, which is true for me, I think a lot of people the first time they train for a marathon, every distance is like, oh, I've never run this far before. Um, But at least you know you're capable of running and then you just are extending how long. Um, So you start about four months out. And you basically start by running, say, basically you can do it three miles a day, three or four times a week, and then one longer run on the weekend. And there are training plans, and they'll tell you to run much longer in the middle of the week, and that's cool, but you don't have to. You can run three miles a day, three or four times a week, plus a long run. And the long run starts out at like seven or eight miles, and it basically generally goes up by one or two miles a week, And then like every third week, it drops back down to like six or eight or 10, basically something much easier than you've done. So you'll kind of do eight, nine, 11, and then you'll drop back down and do seven. And then you'll do like 12, 13, 14, drop back down and do eight Um, and kind of progress through that way until you do your longest run three or four weeks before the marathon, which is 18 to 20 miles. If you're a beginner, I do 22 now because I run farther
1: yeah it it ends up being you know every second or third weekend you have to put aside an increasing number of hours to run and you know with the Google Maps and and online resources it's pretty easy to map a course ahead of time where you know how far you're gonna run right some some of the trails around here is luxury have mile markers and then it's even easier but yeah. You, even without that, right? You just say I'm gonna walk, run to this point and back, or you know, around these corners, and it's 17 miles, for example. Because the longer runs, you really do have to start planning where, where you're gonna go and how you're gonna get back.
0: And and I used to do some. I mean, we have miles and miles of trails here. Like you could run 100 miles in one direction and turn around and come back. Um, but there are some of those really long runs I've done especially before I I kind of got into the ultra space where it was like, oh, 18 miles is going to be really hard for me, where I would do like I'd go run three miles and then I would come home and I'd go to the bathroom and get a drink and then I would take hops and I would go three or four miles and then I'd come home and go to the bathroom and get a drink and then I would take Vink and I'd go two miles and, you know, it'd be like different directions, but I would piece together these 18-mile runs out of like all these crazy little chunks stopping at home. But who cares? Like, all that matters for marathon training is that you cover the distance. It's not really a matter. You know, if you're concerned, just like, I want to finish and do well and feel good. You just want to make sure that you have those miles on your legs. And if you stop for a couple minutes to go to the bathroom and get a drink or do whatever, like, that's okay.
1: Yeah, and it's especially if you're, like, an 18-mile or 16-mile run. You can – this is where it goes back to my initial advice. Find some place you want to run to or make it fun – because if you are looking in an eight-mile radius, there's probably some like, cool place you want to run to. And that's one way. That's how I motivate myself. If I did the back and forth, mm-hmm. I'd stop. I'd <laughs> probably, I think I'd be like, oh, I'm home now. I'm stopping. So I have to go out half the distance. So then I'm forced to run back half the distance. But find a spot you want to run to, a bridge or a gorge or a mountaintop or something, and just say that's my halfway goal and then you have to come home
0: yeah and it's okay if you drive to where you start from oh yeah so we used to have this great trail that would run from our house to like the town three towns over and that's the trail they're closing to put in a train now the trail will eventually be back but now to kind of get to that place it's a little bit longer and it's a lot crappier and then it picks up this beautiful trail. And so sometimes I just drive the four miles to the next town and park and run on the trail. There's nothing wrong with that. So if you don't, you know, if it's just sucky to run from your house to start on the nice part, like drive to the nice part. Who cares? right? That's yeah, fine. I don't
1: like to run on roads. So if there's no sidewalk, I'll drive to wherever I can find mm-hmm. a sidewalk.
0: So let's talk about the actual marathon. Mm-hmm. Um because there's tons of races that you can run that are not a marathon. 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons. A lot of
1: 10-milers around D.C.
0: 10-milers. And those are all good. And you stop before it really starts to hurt. And and I don't mean to dismiss it if you've run a half marathon and it hurts, because of course it can. But you, the thing with a marathon is that uh, your body burns sugar to help you run. And you have about 2,000 calories of sugar stored in your muscles.
1: This is why she's Dr. Jen.
0: Yeah. Uh, So this is like your glycogen stores. It's blood sugar stored in your muscles. You have about 2,000 calories of that. And you burn through that in about 18 miles. And then once you have burned through that, there's no sugar left in your body except for what you're eating. And that is, and then moving past that is a profoundly different experience than running far when you still have reserves of energy in your body. And so, in a marathon, uh, if you've heard this phrase, hitting the wall, that usually happens around mile 18, where people have pushed themselves, they've exhausted their glycogen stores, and they literally have nothing left. And uh, I mean, people will collapse on the side of the road. In a marathon and sometimes they go a little longer like sometimes you make it to 20 21 um yeah so it just makes it it's a very different experience like if you run a 5k running a 10k is basically like running two 5ks (laughs) and if you run a half marathon it's kind of just running two 10ks in a row but running a marathon is absolutely not like running two half marathons in a row. The first one is like running a half marathon, and the second one is a completely different thing. Um,
1: Yeah, that's why when spectators, first-time spectators are at a marathon, and they're cheering people on by saying, oh, it's only five more miles, those are not at all like the first five miles of the marathon or the (laughs) middle five miles. They're really bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I've... So I've never... I've had one race that I didn't finish, And that was not because I hit the wall. It was way before that. Like, I just hadn't... This was 2001, and so September 11th it happened. I was doing a bunch of stuff with that. I just hadn't trained, and I wasn't prepared to run 10 miles. I have hit the wall in races, though. I've always finished, but I've, you know, it... What they say is that it's basically a mental race at that point. Like, once you hit the wall, like, you've got to make sure you're taking in sugar... Whether it's through like terrible, terrible power gels or uh, Gatorade, but it's really like mentally forcing yourself through it, which I've always been able to do. But it takes a there's a lot of different strategies for getting there.
1: Counting steps.
0: Counting steps is exactly what I do, um, which I think is my normal self soothing method. So I count in groups of four. So I'll go one, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, and there's two thousand steps in a mile. So when you get to five hundred groups of four you've hit a mile and that's enough to just kind of like focus me on the counting to get me through the mile and then it's still hard after that but once you get through like that one mile after you hit the wall Uh you do okay but it's a weird feeling so when i when i've had myself hit the wall before or even sometimes when i'm doing fine my scalp will start like tingling like it'll start feeling like it's tight that's a weird thing uh sometimes I will feel like my legs are not actually part of the rest of my body like I can feel them moving but I feel like like somewhere in the abdomen there is a disconnect and it's like an alien being on the lower half and then sort of my working brain on the upper half
1: no I'm just battling cramps and soreness and bone pain (laughs) there's no i don't have any disconnect there
0: but this is really interesting because these are basically the two ways it happens right like i never i have never had cramping in a race like i never have those kind of physical Mm. problems that come with hitting the wall though that's a big part of it all of mine are just kind of like migraine symptoms so i have migraines and they often will come at like after mile 20 in races. Um, and that's not just a headache, though sometimes I get that, but there's all kinds of other like weird neurological crap that goes on with me. Like, mine are all kind of like that. Like, I feel weird, like it's my brain doing weird stuff. Um, and you don't seem to get that part of it, but you get all kinds of variations of the physical stuff. Yeah, my stuff. brain
1: doesn't really affect... It doesn't, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's not, there's not much going on up there. So it's mostly my body kind of rebelling. And I can feel if I... If I go a little bit faster, I think I'll cramp up. I'm going as fast as I can without my legs cramping sometimes. Not all races are different, but Yeah. that's part of it or I just can't lift my feet high anymore or Yeah, that happens you know, to me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's that's the thing. If you want to run a marathon, you absolutely can run a marathon. Like anyone who can run can run a marathon if you, you know, want to make the time to do the training, which is really just one you know one chunk of hours on the weekend four or five hours uh if you're slow four or five hours like me
1: yeah there's some good movies the like spirit of the marathon right is a good movie about training for a
0: marathon so running. worth watching uh so yeah you can i think it's on netflix now um you can get it in a bunch of places spirit of the marathon i'll put a link to it in the description but when this movie came out which was quite a number probably 10 years ago now, yeah, it's a little
1: dated now yeah
0: um they were doing like screen one night screenings in a bunch of theaters, like all around the country. On whatever the day was, you could go watch it, and you had to like pre-order tickets. And I remember going; I think I was in Chicago. I went with my mom and my brother, and I walked into the theater, and I was like, "Everybody in here is so skinny!" Because <laughs> it was like a bunch of other marathon runners in there. And I—I I mean, I hadn't had any thought about it in my head, but I remember being like, "Wow!" Like. Everyone's in here so skinny, and there were some spouses in there. And so, like halfway into the movie, like there were a bunch of people asleep, and that's all <laughs> the, like the spouses of the runners who didn't care. Maybe it's
1: not that good a movie. Uh,
0: I think it's super inspirational. I've watched. We actually own it in my DVD collection, which is like 15 DVDs. It's one of the few that's made the cut, uh, and it's about the Chicago Marathon, which is my home race, and uh, it's great. And they have elite runners. I guess two elite runners, Dina Castor, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, she had the world record for a while. Um, and then a guy whose name I don't remember. And then I think three just kind of regular people, runners. And it follows them through their training and through their race. And it's if you want to get inspired to do a marathon, that is a great movie to watch. Yep. Uh, and there's a ton of ultra-marathon movies out there also. But we'll talk about those later. Maybe we could talk about those now, going from the marathon to the ultra, which I guess is more of me talking. Have you?
1: The other thing... No, I haven't done an ultra. The other thing about running a marathon is it will be an organized race, probably, and there's a lot of spectators, and it actually helps. It it helps me. I mean, I I think it helps everyone, but you've got people cheering for each other. There are bands. There are people with signs. There's more distractions, right? There's dogs and stuff to look at, so it's, it's a huge difference from your training run if you especially if you run by yourself but even if you run in a group because it's just a big moving party yeah and it does distract you and it does keep you very motivated i mean you still kind of feel crappy by the end but but you you get out of your head a lot
0: and this is so this is we'll put off the ultra stuff and kind of talk about favorite races and why this is a good thing to think about. So I have run a lot of different races. I've run some really small ones where sometimes I can't see anybody (laughs) except myself. And then uh, these big city marathons. And I love the big city marathons. Like if I'm going to run a full marathon, the ultras are different. But if I'm going to run a full marathon, like I want a big city marathon in Chicago is far and away my favorite not just because it's my hometown but because the spectators and i think new york i've not run the new york marathon um but new york is supposed to be sort of like this too where like you don't go 20 yards without having people cheering for you and a lot of times it's two or three people deep on the sidewalk and uh, in chicago you go through all the different neighborhoods you go up through boystown where i lived and there's like um you know, drag queens on a stage singing at you. You go through like all of my former gay town. Um, High the,
1: school cheerleaders everywhere. Yeah.
0: That's and uh, in Chicago, you go through Pilsen, which was a Polish neighborhood and now is mostly Mexican. And there's like mariachi bands out there and people banging pots and pans. You go through Chinatown and they've got like the dudes with the dragon kind of doing the little dragon dance out on the corner. Um, I, I mean, it's packed everywhere is packed with spectators cheering every single mile of the race and it's just inspiring and wonderful and and having done it on both sides right I've I've been a spectator in that race a bunch of times it's super inspiring to like see all these people doing this really epic thing
1: yeah towards the end I mean you cry (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're all kind of beat up anyway but it's easy to get really inspired
0: yeah, I think both ways. I mean, obviously, this is how I started doing races, but I think the spectators are kind of in awe of all these like zombie-like people just pushing themselves through that last mile. Um, and certainly, if you're doing it and you're like, "Holy crap! Like, I'm gonna finish this," and uh, you know, just that one person. I mean, I've had this in a lot of races where the one person is like, whether they're giving me water or they're just on the side and they're like, "You're doing such a good job." And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so thankful that you said that to me. (laughs) Um, That said, like, some people don't care about this at all. And so there's plenty of small races. Like, you can find all kinds of local marathons, like, on a trail system by your house. And there's going to be, like, the wife of some dude running the race (laughs) and their kid with a sign. And that's it. And that's fine, too. Right?
1: Yeah, whatever you like. I like the, the spectacle and it being so different from a training run. Right. So I, I appreciate it. Even the Marine Corps here yeah, in D.C., there are stretches of sort of neighborhoods that are hard to get to or it's freeways or something where, you know, it's hard to, to park and things where there aren't spectators. And it just it's it is harder. It makes it harder.
0: Yeah. Marine Corps is a great race, but there is not like Chicago. Like there are big, long stretches where no one is cheering for you. And uh, and that's fine. It's still totally worth doing, but it's worth thinking about what's motivating for you and if you're thinking about doing a race like that like go watch some first right go watch your local one and and see what you think yep yeah uh if you want to do shorter distances we are big fans of the rock and roll series of races they do have some full marathons um i've done a bunch of them but their half marathons are way more popular and they do some shorter races
1: yeah and it's uh, dc may be unrepresentative because there's probably a 10 mile or half marathon or 10k every weekend over the summer for some charity or you know bars putting it on Mm -hmm. or something so 10k races there's there's a lot of those some there's some sort of neighborhoods have 5k races turkey trots and things so whatever you want to do it doesn't just have to be marathons but there is a there is a lot out there now online you can find it all too
0: Yeah, there's uh, like if you just Google like running calendar and then the name of your town or, you know, if you're in a really unpopulated area, your state or your county, um, you'll find calendars out there that have all the races listed and like find yourself a race. If you want to get started running, like find a race, even if it's a 5K Uh, and even if you've run three miles before, like it's still fun, even though you know you're not going to win to go out like with a big group and do this thing.
1: Yeah, and signing up is, is very motivating to get you to train, you know, the, the months before, too, if you have something you're working towards. Definitely. Yep.
0: All right, I'm going to talk for not too long about going from the full marathon, 26.2 miles, to an ultramarathon, which is anything bigger than 26.2 miles. Um, Ultramarathons tend to come in six flavors, I think. See if I counted right. The 50K, which is 31.1 miles. So it's not that much different than a marathon. I mean, it's five miles longer. You can definitely feel those five miles. Um, but the training's not really any different to do a 50K. Like if you can run a marathon, you can go run a 50K ultra marathon. Um, I'll inject my story here of my first 50K. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I don't think I've told this story on the podcast before. I don't think so. So I ran the 2000 Chicago Marathon. That was my first marathon. I trained all summer for it. It was in October of 2000. Ran the race. Was not great. Uh, I basically walked most of the second half. Like, I remember the bottom of my feet hurt just from going so far, and I hadn't trained enough for it. But I finished it, got my medal, and I was super burned out. And I think I ran one time between that race in the spring and it was like snowy and icy and i was like nope not doing this anymore so i basically ran zero miles uh from october until april and i was online looking at the race calendar for chicago which they had online even back in 2001 and i was like oh maybe i'll run a 5k this weekend and i saw that they had this lakefront 50k the race that still happens and uh so it's a 50k two blocks from my house. And I said to the guy I was dating at the time, jokingly, like, oh, check this out, there's a 50K, I should run that, right? And he goes, you couldn't do that. And I'm like, oh, well, now I have to. Like, you said I can't do that? I'm just gonna show you that I can do whatever the hell I say I can. (sighs) Uh, This was not a good idea. I did not train for this race at all, but he told me that I couldn't do it. So I was like, okay. I'm I'm gonna go do this race. I signed up. I mean it was like the next weekend. I had no time to train. Uh signed up, like picked up my T shirt and uh I started early. A lot of ultras give you the option to start early. It took me seven and a half hours. I actually like there's a cutoff time for the marathon the twenty six mile point that I missed. And I was like, oh, my God, they're not going to let me finish. I came in second to last behind, like, some pregnant lady um, who had started, like, at the normal time, I think. I came in second to last with an hour head start. Um, (laughs) But I finished. And I got a medal for it, which you get at the end of all these races. And I wrote a poem to my boyfriend at the time. (laughs) GR Dad's rolling his eyes here. (laughs) Roses are red. Violets are blue. I have two medals. And you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, they hung in the living room
1: the exuberance of youth
0: (laughs) i'm still so proud of that uh but it was not a good ultramarathon experience for me i think i've managed to run 10 miles of it and i walked the last 20 so it was just a kind of fuck you to the boyfriend (laughs) uh it was not a real thing but um yeah so we you know i would run kind of one marathon a year maybe two kind of six months apart and I grew up outside Chicago so the Chicago Marathon is a great race it's still my favorite and it's kind of my home race so I run that every year but all my friends out here in DC would run Marine Corps and I was always super jealous that they were running Marine Corps but I didn't want to skip the Chicago Marathon to run Marine Corps because they're like two or three weeks apart and so finally in 2015 I was like screw it I'm doing both like the worst that happens is that I can only run a part of the Marine Corps and then I'll walk the rest. And if I don't finish, then I don't finish, right? But I'm going to try it. I think I can do it. And I mean, it hurt, sort of. They, they I think we're three weeks apart, but it went fine. And after that, like literally once I did that, my recovery time between races just dropped off, where normally I would take a whole month off after a marathon. Um, I didn't need to take any time off after a marathon, like once I did it that one time, and so I started running lots of marathons Um, I think I did that Marine Corps at the end of October of 2015, and then I signed up for a full marathon at the beginning of 2016 I think I ran 10 marathons in 2016 basically one a month 10 marathons in 2017 which was last year and In the summer last year, in like July, I was like, well, maybe I'll try another 50K, right? I've run like 15 marathons in the last year and a half. I can handle a 50K. So we signed up for this local 50K out in this park. Uh, the Rosaryville 50K, which is a a very nicely organized race. I signed up for the 50K. You did the 25K? 30K. 17 miles or something? 30K. 30K. And, uh, oh my God. It was on trails. I hate trail running. Like, not running on like a nice gravel trail. No, like
1: forest paths.
0: Where there's like roots and rocks and stuff that's going to twist your ankles. And I did twist my ankle at some point. And it
1: was like... Pretty steep up and down in, oh, within the woods
0: hills, yeah. oh my God, uh, I finished that fifty k. I was so sore after that race, like most people you look at them after they finish a marathon like the next day, they can't walk downstairs the normal way, they have to go down backwards because they're like quads are too sore to support them, and they're kind of limping around. I don't have any of that after a marathon, like the next day, I'm like, I can go run another ten miles, I feel fine. I did this 50k on those trails with those hills, and I was, I was more sore than after my first marathon. I was scooching like on my butt down the <laughs> stairs. It hurt so bad. Uh, I think it took me eight hours to finish it, but I was like, "Cool, now I can do this." And uh, all right, now what can I do? And I think at that point is when we watched the Bad Water. Well, we watched the Barkley Marathons the Barkley,
1: yeah. and
0: the Badwater. So the Barkley Marathons, everybody should watch this movie. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's called the Barkley Marathons, The Race That Eats Its Young, I think <laughs> is the name. It's about this crazy race out in Tennessee, this ultra marathon that's supposed to be 100 miles, and it's more like 130. And it's not marked. It's like out in the woods. You run under a prison at some point. Most years, zero people finish you, the race.
1: You run for like two days.
0: Yeah. It's uh, It's insane the documentary about it is fantastic. Uh, so go watch the Barkley marathons. So we watched that. We had like a little week where I was like, we were watching all these ultra videos. And then there was one about the Badwater uh, ultra marathon, which is 135 miles out in death Valley. And, uh, it's crazy. And these people who are like hallucinating, which is really common at that distance and sleeping on the side of the road for five minutes. And, uh, And I was like, this is amazing. I want to be this epic. And I will never do either of those two races, I don't think. Like, I'm not fast enough to do Barkley because there's a a cutoff. Barkley's
1: not marked. It's also in... In trails,
0: which I hate. Like, it's got all kinds of stuff I hate. I do have... There's a little tick in the back of my head that says I could do the Badwater 135.
1: But you, like... Asphalt, too.
0: Yeah, it's on asphalt. There's yeah. a big mountain at the end of it, but you're walking at that point. Uh, so who knows? Maybe, maybe someday I'll do that race. But anyway, we watched these and I was like, okay, like I want to be epic. I'm going to do some ultra marathons. And I don't like trail runs all that much. And so I started kind of looking for a good race. So I found this one that was a, a little trail based, but not much. Um, called the St. Sebastian 100, so there's a 100-mile race. I did the 50-mile race in November, and running 50 miles is a lot different than running a marathon or a 50K, just like a marathon is a lot different than running a half marathon. So the main thing is, when you run a marathon, like you drink Gatorade and water, and if you eat, it's usually like a power gel, like some sort of energy product. Um, gels or chews or some kind of thing to kind of give you sugar and some electrolytes when you run an ultra marathon like a 50 miler or longer you have to eat real food it I mean I'm slow it took me 14 and a half hours but even if you're running for 10 hours you still have to eat real food and your body basically shuts down your digestive system when you're running at super long distances because you need the blood flow out to your muscles. And so it's really easy to get nauseous and throw up and not be able to digest stuff. And so a lot of the training is just figuring out, like, what can you eat while you're doing it? Because you have to eat real food. Like, you can't get by on just power gel for 50 miles. Um, So I kind of figured out peanut butter and jelly, is good for me. Oreos, plain potato chips like Lay's potato chips, and Coca Cola is like necessary. I, I drink a ton of Diet Coke, but I don't ever drink regular Coke. But regular Coke, like in the races, is like the best thing because it gives you caffeine and sugar. It, I think it helps like ward off my headaches. Um, yeah, and so that kind of training, like when I was marathon training. I would run like 20 to 25 miles a week, depending on... So if I say I've run like 15 miles on the weekend, and then I'd run three or four three-mile runs during the week, which gets you to about 25. When I'm ultramarathon training, which I guess is all the time now, I'm, I'm kind of just in permanent mode of being ready to run an ultra, um, I run 40 to 50 miles a week, and then there will be some weeks where I run like 60 65 miles Um, and the really hardcore people run over 100 miles a week they're kind of running 20 miles a day which is crazy Um, so it's definitely a higher level of training it definitely takes more time i'm really lucky that i have a flexible schedule so it's not like i have to get up super early like i can work around whenever i want to run um but yeah so i've done a bunch of 50ks since then i was supposed to do this 50 miler in vegas next weekend but it's going to be 102 degrees, and I would die. So my I've got a 50K upcoming, but my next kind of big race is a 100K, 62 miles, that I'm signed up for in October. It's actually the same weekend as Marine Corps, so I had to kind of pick between the two um, out in Florida. On a road, nice and flat, kind of by Palm Beach, 62 miles. That's going to be my farthest race I've ever run. So I'm looking forward to that. The Palm 100.
1: I have no desire to do an ultra. Marathon is hard, and I don't want to run four more miles.
0: Yeah. Or
1: not 40 even 40 more no, miles. No, definitely not, <laughs> no, not. Not two marathons. Not a little bit more. Marathon is like a good classic distance.
0: Marathon is perfectly hard. Like, yeah. you're not slacking if you run a marathon. A marathon is always a hard race to run. Because you are pushing yourself past, li- like literally pushing yourself past what your body is capable of doing.
1: Yeah, and I, and I don't want to take the time to train more.
0: Yeah. And, and worth remembering, the guy who ran the first marathon. Philippides. Philippides, from marathon to Athens, died at the he, end of yeah,
1: it. Yeah, but he ran like 200 miles a day before. I know. Else. I'm
0: just saying. He ran it and then he died. Yeah. Well, so it's hard. We he also ran it super fast
1: there right. are signs on marathons about that
0: too. Yep. yeah uh, marathon signs are some of the best parts of the marathon uh, worst parade ever yep common
1: you run better than the government classic
0: Chicago run like you one. stole something yep. good one some political ones. Now they they have become more political. Run like Trump's trying to grab your pussy is a good one that we see often. Oh. I saw one in the San Diego race at the beginning of June that said there probably is no god. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like a little dark and weird but kind of hilarious. <laughs> There's a lot that have like some sort of like Super Mario Brothers thing that's like push here for power. Yeah. yeah.
1: And little kids for high fives. Yep. And then there's a lot of like beer at the finish or drink wine at the finish, which you know, short-term motivation, I guess.
0: All toenails go to heaven <laughs> is a good one. Yeah. Uh, I lose toenails in pretty much every marathon. The same two. One on each foot next to my big toe. Gruesome. Yeah, it is sort of gruesome. Uh, how about traveling for races? Because you don't have to travel to run races. There's plenty of them nearby. You kind of no matter where you live, there's plenty within driving distance, even if you're way out in the middle of nowhere. But it certainly be, can become a thing to run, or I'm sorry, to travel to go run races. And we travel all over the place. We kind of use it as an excuse. In fact, this year we, we took a vacation to New Orleans and we're like, hey, let's go to New Orleans and not run a marathon. It was weird. It was like the first time in a while that we had done that.
1: But for example, I've never been to San Diego. Except for a marathon. Yeah. Which is fine. It's yep. a good good reason to go to the city. And running a marathon or a race in a city, you see things you wouldn't otherwise see.
0: It's a great way to see a city, including parts of it that you would not probably not feel safe going to if you weren't in a race. There's cops all along the race course, and it's all cordoned off. And so it's very safe to run a race. Um, but, like, I run the Baltimore Marathon. And, you know, parts of Baltimore are beautiful and parts of Baltimore are really run down. And you would never just, like, take a walking tour through some of those neighborhoods most of the time. Um, But to run through them gives you a real feel of, like, what the city's like. Like, it's not just, you know, Baltimore. It's not just the Inner Harbor and the Johns Hopkins campus where, like, tourists might go and, and what they show off. Like, you get a sense of what it's like in the rest of the city Uh, which I think is super interesting and there's all kinds of beautiful places too even if you're in a really rundown neighborhood there's all kinds of beautiful stuff there
1: yeah we ran in Nashville and you see parks that you would never go to as a tourist or you run around the stadium I think we ran through the baseball stadium
0: that's right in Nashville you run through they have a, a minor league baseball team and you run like on the warning track around the field and then like up through the stadium into the stands that's neat that was very cool Um, So, yeah, it's a great way to get to see stuff. And especially if you look at the big races. um, So the Rock and Roll series is great for this because they've all of their races are big and well organized. Um, But any of the bigger races, I did the Flying Pig Marathon in Cincinnati, which is like independently organized and super fun and a great way to see it. Any of the big marathons or half marathons um, are worth Traveling for if you can afford it because it's a good way to visit.
1: Yeah, and if you can afford it, the key is to stay within walking distance of the start and the finish, especially the finish. Yes. Um, which, for example, here, if we do the Marine Corps, we have to drive a car, find parking near the start or the finish, which is not easy in D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the metro's shut down that, uh, that early in the morning. So it's kind of a hassle to go to a local race. But if you travel and you stay in a hotel, walking distance from the start it's nice
0: yeah i mean to check your bag. some people here in dc actually will stay in a hotel like in in roslin which is in arlington virginia walkable to the start line and the finish just so they don't have to drive uh and park and park yeah i a couple of years ago we've we've both been doing the marine corps for a while now chicago and marine corps and uh I found, like, I think Parking Panda is the app. It's one of these apps where you can, like, reserve yourself a guaranteed spot in a garage for, like, 20 bucks. Oh, my God. I was so proud of myself. And it's, like, right by. It's walkable from the start and the finish. And it makes it so much easier.
1: Just the thing to remember is a marathon really messes up traffic in a city. Right? Oh, yeah. Things where you think, oh, I'll just zip the same way I always do. All the roads are closed. Mm-hmm. So it, it, and this is 5 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, you know, and you just don't know where else to go sometimes. Totally, it can be be stressful.
0: Yeah. So there you go. That is a lot of running knowledge from all (laughs) of us. (laughs) And it, it, you know, it doesn't need. You know, we are obviously a little marathon focused in the house. Like I'm, I'm very focused on the ultras, but I run a lot of full, just regular marathons. Marathons you run three or four a year, probably with me. Yeah. Um, But it doesn't need to be that far. Like if you run a run and you only want to run five k's there's nothing wrong with running 5ks uh there's great challenge and fun actually there's a way more fun 5ks than anything else i ran like an elvis 5k and there's like color run 5ks there's tons of great stuff on the shorter distances
1: yeah and and again races aren't the only way right if you just love your training runs or your training group and just do that great you don't need to do races that's just it motivates me to train right but some but you may actually be just motivated to train by yourself you don't need to race
0: if you just like going if you want to run one time a week just because like that's fine yeah yeah it can be great so there you go uh do you have a german word of the week for our running podcast
1: dauerlauf training
0: whoa it's jogging That's a really long <laughs> word for jogging. I
1: mean, they also say jogging at this point. They will say... They'll, they'll accept jogging. But Use it in a sentence. Dauerlauf. Ich mache am um, Sonntag mein Dauerlauf-Training. Da habe ich drei Stunden... Muss ich mir drei Stunden Zeit nehmen.
0: <laughs> Translation?
1: I'm doing my jogging on Sunday, so I need three hours of time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good job. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. Uh, I'll put it in the podcast description as always (laughs) um with that i think we're done yep thanks for listening as always to the golden ratio podcast send us your feedback leave us reviews tell us whatever you want to tell us we like hearing.
1: ask questions
0: ask questions and uh that's it we'll talk to you next week bye goodbye